How to Create a Glitch Monologue Season 34 Chapter 1 This is Season 34 of How to Create a Glitch in the Matrix Monologues Episode 1. In this episode, we will be talking about the social contract of the state. To start out, there is only one state of integration, whether it is imposed by a non-consensual agency such as the state, or a school peer group, or a family, there is only one. This non-consensuality which is preserved in the self-attributions of the actor, finds its source, first, in the archetypal vocabulary of the community, second, in the accrued deference created by the actor's tonic-dominant relationships. In democratic countries, the underlying rationale for the state is the consent of the governed. This consent manifests in the democratic process. Thus, in an ideal state, the family, being a fundamentally non-consensual entity, is juxtaposed to the state, as a consensual actor. Practically, this is not what actually occurs in most countries. The state maintains a monopoly on force. This monopoly combined with the failure to obtain the direct consent of the governed, manifests the state as a non-consensual actor. Restrictions on that monopoly on force are intended to be a social compromise manifested in the constitution or charter of the nation, which the governed must consent to. In many countries, however, the constitutional document does not reflect the direct consent of the governed. Failure to obtain the acquiescence of the governed through constitutional referendums, enacting legislation by proxy, through party politics, represents a failure of the social contract. Now, acquiescence is also a fundamental component of the relationship between the tonic and the dominant. All tonic-dominant relationships are created when the dominant accedes to the social status of the tonic, via postural releases, and deference. These motions represent the fundamental foundation of a joint or conjoined consensuality between two actors. The state becomes a non-consensual actor when the consent of the governed is not reflected in the social contract. The social contract represents something which bridges the non-consensuality of the family with the non-consensuality of the state. Which is to say, that it is bridged to the extent that the state acquires its rule-making authority through the attribution of matriarchal and patriarchal archetypes to state figures. Likewise, the basic conventionality of the family is both protected and enhanced by the state's rule-making authority. Thus, the democratic systems we have now in place in the West are largely hybrid systems. That is, they represent both consensual and non-consensual components. Ideally, we could render the state a fully consensual actor by referendums on constitutional documents generationally. We could insert the state's eyes directly into the formation of tonic-dominant consensuality by monitoring the creation of consensual spaces according to the acquiescence or consent of the dominant to the tonic status. In other words, right now, the state relies upon archetypal unity between the authority figures of the state and the family, which are both non-consensual social systems. It imposes force upon lawbreakers pursuant to its monopoly on force, as a non-consensual actor. Constitutionally restricted though that force is, our constitutional documents do not reflect the will of the polity or the consent of the governed. In Canada, for example, the charter was enacted before I was born. I had no say in the matter, but more importantly, the manner by which these constitutional documents are generalized, adjusted through the common law, is a non-democratic process.
Thus, after 50 years a constitutional document can be very different in its nature from the one my ancestors consented to. But more importantly, does my ancestors' consent imply my consent? No, absolutely not. We are all individuals who have the right to make our own consensual choices. Since the foundation of true consensuality in the system is acquiescence to status, the actual social hierarchy may have nothing to do with that imposed upon us by the state. I propose a true consensual state, one where failure to engage in a consensual space is not punished so much as it disentitles one to the privileges of the social contract. More importantly, there is an added benefit to this formulation. Not relying upon the family as the foundation of the state, which is inherently discriminatory. That's the end of the podcast for today. If you enjoyed it, please like, comment and subscribe.